Hello and welcome. It is the Highfalutin Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 85. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up? Hey, how's everything How's everything going? Haven't been here, it seems like, in ages, but it was just last week, wasn't it? We were here last week, yeah, but it seems like it's been uh, a long time since that week. It's a long week already. It's been a very, very, <laughs> very, very long couple weeks, but things are good. Things are well. We're having a good time. We're here. We're podcasting. Everything's all good. So thank you guys so much for listening. Please check us out, skibumpodcast.com. Check us out on social media, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast. We're on Pinterest as the Highfalutins. I don't know if anything new has gone up there. We're on SoundCloud uh, as skibumpodcast. But again, I don't think anything has gone up there. One of these days, we will get to it. I'm going to put Pinterest this week. Pinterest this week. I'm committing to it. Look for it. Get your pin on. But yeah, we're definitely posting stuff on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Those are our, our big three. And if you could, go to the website and check out the information on how to rate us. Because if you could, go onto your favorite podcasting app, rate us, give us five stars. That would be tremendously helpful in helping us give us some love. push the podcast to the next level. We need a little love. That's what we need. We need a little love. We'll be honest, you know? Looking for love. Maybe all the wrong places. <laughs> all the wrong places. <laughs> I'm always looking for love. Yeah. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Aren't we all? But yeah, there's instructions on the website, skibumpodcast.com, on how you can rate, because a couple of these podcast apps are making things a little bit difficult. You can't just be like, boom, five stars. You got to go in and hit a couple tabs and buttons and get to the right spot. So we've put some instructions out there to help you guys out. Cool. That's what we do. And before we start this bad boy, it's time to talk about a little après today. Après. So another long week, another long day. Been a long time since the last podcast. So yeah, uh, a whole week's gone by now. Yeah, we did it last Monday, and this is Wednesday we're recording it. So yeah, it's been nine days, and that calls for a little bit of après. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> so what are we doing, Brian? What do oh, we got today? we're hitting one of our all-time favorites. Uh, we're from the good folks of Lawson's Finest Liquids up in Warren, Vermont. We're hitting the sip of sunshine today. Uh, very nice. One of, our, one of my favorites. Oh, it's so good. It's, uh, it's an IPA. It comes in, I think, about 8%, I think. Uh, seven and a half, eight, something like that. It's, it is it's a nice percent cloudy IPA. It's very hoppy, very citrusy. It is like a little sip of sunshine. Oh, it's just delicious. So good. Yeah, I saw somewhere <laughs> that they had on draft triple sunshine because they oh, do wow. a double. They do double sunshine. There's also a triple sunshine. I've apparently. heard of the triple. I've never tried it or seen it. Yeah, I don't know. It's somewhere up in uh, I believe in the Waterbury Burlington area. Well, I know uh, I talked to our buddy Justin up there in vermont who was he spent a little more time up there uh him and his uh little fiance uh they went to the mad taco in montpellier mm. they have expanded the drafts they had sip of sunshine on draft he said Ooh! so while you're up there i'm actually intending on going there for uh, a meal of food perhaps on friday sip on sip on draft yeah it's what they had maybe they'll have doubles double or triple you that's know, good right? to know i'm gonna have to do a little bit more research on where where to get some good drafts while up there. He said they did week. more renovations. So it's like, it's looking almost just like the Warren store. Not even going to recognize that place. Great. With every, every trip. That is one of the most 
just under the radar dynamite little mini chains of restaurants anywhere. Like that place is just so awesome. You should get extra to go and just save them, eat them at home. I just want to see like how many, like how much room do we have in the car? Get like a whole uh, <laughs> one of those like you know ski racks. Just put the thing on top, one of the boxes, and oh, just fill go. it with tacos. Yeah, it'll freeze. It's cold enough. And they have kimchi. Boom! Kimchi on the tacos. Kimchi on the tacos Mm-mm, with a sip which of is, sunshine. Which is actually what I had for dinner tonight. I had a taco with kimchi, and now I'm having a sip of sunshine. So, boom! I'm living the uh, the Mad Taco New Jersey dream. Mad Taco. Ah, oh, they got they got open one here. That wouldn't be bad. Yeah, very nice. All right. Well, uh, what else do we have for Apre? We so, know the story, don't we? We only have one Apre story this week, but it is a good one. I've actually showed this article to about five people so far in the past week because it blows my mind and it makes me realize how poor and not baller I really am. Not that I needed the reminder again. Life. There's a lot of rich Thank motherfuckers you. out there. That's all I'm saying. There are some seriously rich uh, mofos, as we, we call them. So a rare Macallan collection goes for nearly $1 million at a Sotheby's Hong Kong sale. A uh, set of rare Macallan whiskeys housed in limited edition Lalique Crystal decanters sold at Sotheby's Hong Kong on April 2nd for $993,000. Damn. A new world record for any lot of whiskey sold at auction. The Legacy Collection showcases six decanters of the Macallan single malt aged from 50 to 65 years each of which represents one of McAllen's six pillars. The set of characteristics, such as aging in exceptional oak casks, employing small stills, and using only the finest cuts that distinguish the brand's whiskeys. Although the two companies have collaborated on the McAllen in Lalique Six Pillars series for over a decade, the auction marked the first time a complete collection has been offered for sale. Wow. So six bottles of whiskey... In fancy crystal glasses with the autographs of the master blenders sold for almost a million dollars. Do they have the rare series? 1937, 38, 39. Mm -hmm. So that's 79, 78, 77 years old. Yeah. That's messed up, man. How baller do you have to be to be able to afford a million dollars for six bottles of whiskey? Dude, people are like, oh, yeah, like my 18-year-old scotch. They're all like bragging and shit. You're like, yeah, I got 80-year-old scotch. How about that, bitches? It's like, I keep 18-year scotch in my turlets. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I used to flush my dookie, 18-year-old scotch. (laughs) I use that to wash my glasses after drinking the 80-year-old. Oh, my God. Now, again, I think we've talked about it probably about six times on the podcast at certain points. We've had the 30-year Macallan. Yeah, it was awesome. And that was out of this world. I mean, it was, you know, I love the 18. Uh, the 12's all right. The 18 is awesome. This 30 was that 18 just concentrated down and thicker and more delicious. Damn. But, I mean, these, these 60-some-year-old ones just, I wonder if it keeps going to that level. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it must. Well, I think there was a story of, uh, I think it was the Yamakaze is the Japanese whiskey. And they like yeah yeah that went for a lot recently. It wasn't nearly anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I I think the whole Asian market is going nuts over it. So auctioning in Hong Kong, I guess, was the right deal. Yeah, That's there's also crazy. a forty year Macallan on sale now for eight thousand dollars a bottle. About two of those, <laughs> two or three of those. Well, they're saying they're they're only going to go up in value. Yeah, you know that's the thing. Invest was, by 
Scotch Futures. Scotch Futures. I was looking at an 18-year Macallan this past weekend, and I had a bottle a few years ago that I got for Christmas. And at that time, it was about 170 bucks a bottle. I mean, it lasted like three years. Like, you know, we had a little bit at special occasions. Uh, that same bottle is going for like 250 now. Damn. I'm like, God damn, we should have bought a case back then. That's what we should do. Be up big. Just buy a case. Pour a lot of money, buy it, and we'll be like our own futures. We'll set up our own fun. Scotch futures. Scotch I like that. futures. <clears throat> so, yeah. So, if you're a baller, if you're that guy, and you spend a million bucks on whiskey, and you meet people who would really appreciate the experience of trying that whiskey, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up. We're, we're happy to party with you. We'd like if you to could put fly us a, to Hong Kong, too, that would really help. We'll put some in a sippy cup, get on some jet skis, and ride around like uh, Kenny Powers. <laughs> I, was, I was down, uh, so I, I think I mentioned it last weekend, I went down to the Double Nickel Brewery down in Pensacola, New Jersey for a, a friend's party this past weekend, and we, uh, we, we were, had the party at the brewery, and then we went to a little after party after at a, a, someone's house, uh, you know, one of the, of the friends down there. And <laughs> they broke out some bourbon, and I forget what the name of the brand was, but it was you know a very boxy, rectangular bottle. And the uh, the owner of the house has two daughters, and I saw there was a uh, like a frozen one of those like hologram uh, like sippy <laughs> cup things. Yeah, and those guys were you know drinking bourbon. I just you know, had a beer or whatever, one of the IPAs from uh, from Double Nickel, which was pretty good. And He's like, oh, you want a want a bourbon? I'm like, I'm like, only if I can get it out of a frozen cup. Nice. And I was just kind of like being a smartass because I saw the one sitting there dirty. And he goes to the cabinet and breaks out another freaking frozen cup. See, they have. So it. I was drinking bourbon out of a Princess Elsa frozen plastic cup. Nice. And I got to tell you, it was it was quite delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it really enhanced the flavor. The the plastic from that made in China Disney cup. Mmm, delicious. It unlocks a lot of the flavor of the bourbon. <laughs> actually speaking of uh going to visit uh breweries remind me after the podcast uh there is going to be potentially a bike ride to defiant from hoboken where is defiant it's like uh pearl river i think it's about 30 miles oh wow nice so ride there and then uber back or train back or something like that <laughs> so that was thrown out for maybe next week uh we'll have to see if if that happens ah, cool that'd be interesting yeah right all right, next up we got it's time to take a ride in the gondola. Gondola. It's all smoked up. All smoked up. I need some snacks. So, so what do we got, Brian, this week? Well, we don't have a bean of the week this week, but we decided to venture out and find something else. And I came across this just this morning. It's from our pals over at munchies.vice.com, and it is a recipe for cannabis cupcakes. Oh, a recipe. A recipe. Nice. Hey, you can make these yourselves. How great is that? Why buy when you can make your own? Fresh baked cupcakes. What the... So, you know, everyone knows cupcakes are butter, flour, sugar, baking powder, you know, the typical stuff that you put in cupcakes. Get the box, man. Nah, you can taste the difference. Throw the box in with the weed and you're set. So, well, that's the the key ingredient. You need one gram of platinum blueberry marijuana from uh, Vashon Vashon Velvet. Ooh. It has the the proper way to to make the butter, too. So what you do is... Because you can't just put it in there, right? No, that'd be gross. (laughs) Yeah. 
you heat the oven to 290 degrees and you spread the marijuana into an even layer on a baking sheet and bake for one hour. You increase the oven to 325 and you melt eight tablespoons of butter in a small saucepan over low heat and you add the marijuana to it and let it simmer for 30 minutes. Then you strain the butter. Decarboxylated. Decarboxylated. I saw that in something before and I was like, wow, I guess you can't just put it in the butter and, and like make it like herbs. Like you actually got to do something to the, I guess you, it does something to open up the, uh, the THC or something like that. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, because you, you bake it for an hour first and then you melt the butter and put the marijuana in there and let it cook for another 30 minutes Damn. and then you strain it through a sieve into a large bowl and discard the solids. So it must pull it all out. The butter, the melted butter must pull it all out. The, uh, the THC, the oils, the flavor. Yeah, it removes the carbon dioxygen hydrate group from the THCA molecule by releasing the water and carbon dioxide and turning it into pure THC. There you go. Decarboxylate. Decarboxylation. <laughs> I'm the decarboxylator. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You've been decarboxylated. The governator is now the decarboxylator. That's awesome. So we'll have a link to the recipe in the uh, the show notes if you want to check it out and if you want to make some of these delicious brownies or I'm sorry, not brownies, cupcakes. So that's and not if, too bad. I thought it was like a more involved process. It is like you got to do an hour of prep just for the. It's for the about marijuana. two hours, really. I mean, because you're yeah. you're baking, you're decarboxylating for an hour, Decom- and then you're simmering again for a half an oh, hour in the butter. Yeah, so it is. But and you, you make that way ahead it. of time. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, you make all your butter in the house. Weed butter. <laughs> you could make these this week and bring them to your family on Easter. It's like, oh shit, which butter did I use? <laughs> <laughs> Choose wisely. You never, you never know. I just mixed up the, the butter dishes. Put this in your butter bell. Oh, butter bell all the time. <laughs> butter bell with, full of weed butter. Dude, I still got that thing going. Don't, I use it all the time. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Decarboxylated <laughs> butter there. You got decarboxylated. <laughs> you've, you've been decarboxylated. Yeah. Uh, like you've been punked. All right. Next up, got a little ski newsy news. Yeah, we're really streamlining our weed and uh, booze stories this week. Yeah. There wasn't that much good stuff. There's a lot of uh, a lot of mirth and sadness in the world. But you know what? We're going to keep it on the positive tip. We're going to get into some skiing goodness. And uh, we're going to ignore all the negativity for now. Well, I don't know what the weather's been like across the country. I know here it's been freaking hot. It's, it's been, been weird. Weird, yeah. Weird is the, like the weather. Like 50 degrees one day, 80 degrees the next day, 50 degrees the next day. So it's just been weird. Been very weird. Yeah. But you want to start us off with the first story? All right. So uh, if anybody uh, has been hiding under a rock and has not been following the news, the real big news, not Russia or anything like that, is Mammoth Resorts is being acquired, just announced, uh, by the affiliates of Aspen Ski Company and KSL Capital Partners from Starwood Capital Group. So they are they they announced uh, this on April twelfth, which is today. Uh, we haven't seen if there is an amount of how much they they've come to a deal with. So maybe they're still working that out, or they're going to release that soon, or they might have released it in the last few hours. But um, so Starwood Capital Group controlled affiliate owns the majority interest in Mammoth Resorts. And they've uh, agreed to sell to uh, Aspen and KSL. So that, I guess, is the conglomerate that's together. I think KSL holds a lot of properties. Um, and 
uh, Aspen uh, Skiing Company holds the ski resorts. So it's kind of like they're in combination when they when they do these purchases. Um, pretty interesting. It's, you know, big companies are getting bigger. You had Vail going nuts, and now you have uh, Aspen coming out strong saying, we got to buy something too. Yeah, and the, the Mammoth story just came out today, so that was pretty pretty recent news. It's fresh. And, you know, I'm just looking up online right now. Um, remember See, last year there was a story that Sean White bought a ownership in Mammoth Resorts? Yeah. He had a seven-digit investment. So I wonder what sort of uh, profit he's making. Getting off paid this. out. Way to go, young blood. Way to go, Getting paid, getting paid. <laughs> but yeah, right on the uh, the heels of... Well, actually, it was kind of the reverse order. On the heels of the other notice, which happened earlier this week, Aspen and KSL also purchased IntraWest Resorts. Boom. Which getting was a huge deal. Bigger. Yeah. What was that, one point? This one was $1.5 Billion. billion. With Damn. a B. What they did, uh, they had a merger agreement. So IntraWest stockholders will receive twenty three seventy five in cash for each share of IntraWest common stock. Oh, so it wasn't a buyout. It was a merger acquisition kind of. That's what they're saying, yeah. So yeah, because it was all stock thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that twenty three seventy five per share represents a 40% premium over the sixteen ninety seven share price that they closed at on January 12th. Crazy. So they're gigantic too. Yeah. Well, Interwest. What, what what was part of interest? There's a whole list of like pretty good resorts. Actually. Their holdings include Blue Mountain in Ontario, Snowshoe in West Virginia, Steamboat in Colorado, Stratton in Vermont, Mont Tremblant in Quebec, Canadian Mountain Holidays in Alberta, Winter Park in Colorado, and this one, which I've never even heard of. Zihuantanejo? Zihuantanejo in Mexico. Huh. I gotta look that up now. Yeah. Probably, no. probably nice. Uh, I imagine there's no skiing. Maybe water skiing. That's a water skiing resort, maybe? It is on the west coast of Mexico. It's on TripAdvisor as a Mexican tourism spot. Yeah, it's 79 degrees, so not a lot of skiing going on there. It's probably about 100 miles north of Acapulco. Hmm. Almost, yeah, nah, not, not quite equidistant between uh, Puerto Vallarta and Acapulco. So that's, that's cool. quite far south. It's funny they mentioned that, you know, as including that within the, the list of the ski resorts, but hey. Yeah, it's you know, pretty it's, funny. It's, I guess it's one of their properties, so, you know, include it. Well, I guess Aspen, that almost doubles their footprint of, uh, more than doubles their footprint of uh, ski resorts. Because they have smaller ones. I think this is like a bigger. And you know what I, I find interesting? They had the, the list of KSL investments, mm-hmm. 25% ownership of Whistler, which is Vail. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Yeah, it's very incestuous, all these companies. It seems like they're all owning little bits of other parts. So Eventually, it's gonna be, everything's going to be one resort, one ticket. Just ski resort. Hopefully $2 a ticket. Go ski wherever. I'm probably a little bit more. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, all right. All right. $100 a ticket. More like one Bitcoin. One, one Bitcoin. One Bitcoin for a little ticket. Ski wherever. Oh, they'll have their own uh, ski, ski crypto, crypto ski currency. I mean, that's not a bad, a bad move, yeah. You buy one ski 
currency pass. Ski coin. The val- ski coin. Ski coin. Value goes up and you can use the ski coin. You present the ski coin to for the lift. Yeah. They could do the lift on the phone. Just check in on your phone, yeah. Check in. Everybody has their phone on them usually. So. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's not a bad move. It's that Apple Pay, Ski Pay. Ski Pay, yeah. Ski coin pay. Ooh, bum bucks. Oh, bum bucks. I like it. That's possible too. You heard it here first, folks. Anything is possible. You heard it here, folks. Donald Trump is president. Anything is possible. That's right. Hold that, on to your dreams. Hold on. To you. That's right. Hold on for one more day. All right, so next up we have, also in ski news, Colorado Ski Resorts started extending their closing day because they've gotten a ton of snow. That's a beautiful thing. So uh, just to give an example, uh, extended to April 16th, you have Copper, Steamboat, and Snowmass, uh, Aspen and Breckenridge, and Vail extended to April 23rd. Um, but they are also going to have... Um, April 16th. Okay, so April 16th, they're going to have the Pond Skimming, World Pond Skimming Championships. That is this weekend. That's awesome. Sunday. Is that, that Easter? Oh, okay. yeah. That is Easter Sunday. They're having the World Pond Skimming Championships. But that's a nice one. Like, anybody knows, like, your local pond skimming is, like, the dirty, murky water. And this <laughs> is, you see the videos. This is what they show on, like, you know, Red Bull TV, where it's, like, yeah. crystal blue water. And it's, like, it's a really cool event. Yeah. Um. Winter Park is April 30th, um, and they're going to stop the bull wheel on the 23rd. But Mary Jane, I guess the other list, uh, stays open until the 30th. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty late. Yeah, it's dynamite. And a lot of that, too, depends on the the actual grounds that the resort is on. Yeah. Because yeah, in that list they were showing Telluride, which closed April 2nd. They probably could have stayed open longer, but they have those agreements with the national parks so where they have to close at a certain time, you know, keep turn the lifts off so you can hike up there and ski. But I think Jackson's can't. the same way, right? I think so, yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jackson got buried in snow, and they probably going to be thawing out till like, June. I'm sure people are hiking it up until, yeah. Yeah. Until the middle of summer. That'd be cool. You're, like, skiing down. You're seeing, like, buffalo and shit. Probably, yeah. Pretty cool. You can ski down with, like, a crossbow. Oh. And hunt your own buffalo. I hunt wonder, an elk? I wonder if that's legal. If you have skis on, is it legal to hunt the buffalo? Well, hmm, that's a good question. Well, the guy did drop a gun there last year on the on the mountain, and that was fine. But you don't know how many he had on him. He could have had, like, five, and it was just one He's of them. only missing one. Yeah, yeah. you don't really notice it. Could have been a small one, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, what are, what are the... Uh, yeah, I don't know. They got all sorts of weird there's, national park things, I'm sure. There's more buffalo now in the U.S. than there was in 1880. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Because they saw, brought them back. Somebody was talking about that, about how the with the farming of uh, buffalo now, it's just like there's an incredible amount of buffalo. It's a beautiful thing. Hey, it's a lot more meat than a cow. And it it's better for you, too. It's leaner. It's healthier. It's less right. fat. It's really good, too. And instead of leather, you wear the furry coats that they have. Yeah. <laughs> The big buffalo coat. And you get the uh, water buffalo hat. Oh. You know, like the Flintstones. That's right. The water buffalo. Yeah. I would, uh, if you haven't, if you're a meat eater and you haven't tried buffalo or bison yet, make it happen. It's really good. Oh, it's so good. I always go for if they have a burger and a bison burger or a Wagyu burger, buffalo burger, bison. Bison tacos. Every time. Also awesome. That's right. I'm actually on the Wyoming Fish. Our Game and Fish Department website, 
And I think you have to try to draw a tag to hunt a buffalo. Oh, yeah, yeah. They do that. Or bison. They do that with elk, too, in certain parts. I knew a big hunter that I worked with, and he uh, he used to do that in the Dakotas for, um, I guess they have really big elk there. There's big elk all all out west. Yeah, but they control the populations. So they only do mm-hmm. so many tags, and it's a whole it's a whole thing. And then they're trying to thin out, like you know, get rid of some of the older ones. So they have this whole thing, and some of it's on Indian reservation. Mm-hmm. So that's why uh, the Dakotas have uh, different, a little bit different rules. Hmm. Yeah, there's all kind of rules. Uh, bison hunt management on the National Elk Refuge is designed to achieve optimum herd size as determined through a cooperative effort between National Elk Refuge, Grand Teton, and Wyoming Game and Fish Department managers. Misidentification of sex or age when killing a bison will result in the seizure of the animal in addition to a criminal fine. Yeah. You can't shoot the young ones, the ones that are in mating age. Like, there's a whole... Yeah. Cow-slash-calf hunters must ensure they harvest a female bison or bison calf per Wyoming Game and Fish Department regulations. Yeah, it's very strict. There's a bison identification exam. That's it, man. And a tool to help hunters differentiate between bulls and cows. Know your stuff, man. Know your stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there was a... Cool stuff. So one of the stories this guy had, I'm not going to say who it was, but he's a a big big wig at a company um he actually went uh he had to have he had to go with a guide drew a tag had to go with a guide on the dakotas um and it was an indian guide because it was on indian land so he wound up going with this guide and shooting uh something that he wasn't supposed to shoot it was a younger not an older uh elk i think it was so he actually had to go before the chief and ask whether or not he can keep it and they oh, let him keep shit, it really but because it wasn't like you know because it's Indian land, it was basically up to the chief to say, you can keep it or not. So that was pretty wild because he had hunted there before. So I guess they knew him and they were like, yeah, he didn't do it on purpose. He just, it was, the guide kind of screwed up too. And, uh, but I thought, I thought it was wild. I was like, what? You had to go. Oh, that sounds like, a, <laughs> sounds like some old like fashioned story. or something. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. That would be fun to do. Go bison hunting. Bison hunting. Yeah. They should make it like more challenging. Like you got to do it with like a little knife or something. Well, you could do it that way if you wanted spear. to. Spear. You got to do it with a spear. You could definitely do that if you wanted to. Old school. It. That would. You could do that. Well, they, well, they mess with people because like they'll have like uh, hunting season, but then they'll have like shotgun hunting season. Then they have bow hunting season. You can't hunt with a shotgun. Slingshot season. Slingshot. You know, yeah. hey, you want to hunt now? Slingshot season. Yeah. Six inch knife season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you don't think I, that'd be funny if the uh, the bison were actually training for those particular weapons. You know, they're like, oh man, it's friggin' shotgun season. I gotta they get like hide. flak jacket and yeah, right. helmet. Ah, oh, that's what the the uh, fishing game could do. Put the flak jacket on them. Yeah, right. Just go in instead of tag you. You put the jacket Wouldn't on. Wouldn't that them, be like, a, like a the ultimate conservation method? That's right. <laughs> Just like put armor on the animals. Oh, there you go. Right? I think what they should do is, you know, the poachers out in, like, Africa that are, like, shooting, like, the endangered species? Yeah. They should open up tags on those people. So people hunting people that are trying to shoot the endangered animal. That's what I think. That's not a bad idea. You're talking dangerous game, deadly, dangerous game, right? That was the Ice-T, right? That was a book. I read the book. Oh. Way, way back. I think, I think Ice-T was when they were hunting. Ice-T. 
Damn. And this was like back in the day, Ice T. Not like this is like Body Count, like original gangster Ice T. Not like well, there was Ice uh, and Cocoa, <laughs> Ice T. That's a whole different guy. <laughs> I, lemonade. No man, lemonade. <laughs> no, no, not that guy. Not that. Freaking New Jack Hustler. New Jack. Ice T. Yeah, that'd be wild, right? They just like instead because they have so much problem. Like they're using drones to try to control like the poachers poaching the, you know, like the the rhinos, rhinos and stuff, and elephants. Yeah. So like, why don't you just Get other hunters just to hunt those people down. Right? That's not a bad move. Just saying. They could, you know, use sleep tags or whatever, like little sleep darts or whatever, or just shoot them. I don't know what the, whatever they want to do, but... Tag the poachers. That'd some cool. sort of, like, neon or something, or some, like, RFID or something you, to, like, make you them draw stick a tag, out. it's like you either draw an animal to hunt or you draw a poacher. You could hunt the poacher. We got Fred. We got a tag for Fred. Oh, He's going is. down. Getting the poachers, man. Yeah. <laughs> Fred identification test. <laughs> Can you recognize Fred? This is Fred. That's funny. That'll stop the poaching. Yeah, right? You just take them out. We really went on a crazy tangent there, didn't we? Oh, yeah. I like that. Now I want some bison. I want, I want to see them. I want, to, I want to propose the poaching, the, the hunting of the poachers. When we were in Utah, was, that, was it bison that we got at that one restaurant? Or was it elk? We got both. We got bison and elk That's right. at the one place, the game place. The, the comp dinner that we had i think it was like wasn't it like elk london broil or elk prime rib or something we went to the big game thing and i think they had, yeah they had elk london broil and then well they had bison everywhere in jackson oh jackson but jackson in utah this time i think it was elk I think it was elk yeah. yeah yeah no jackson there was elk and bison everywhere you went yeah both awesome because well, they have that huge uh, elk preserve, and then they have bison everywhere. They have a preserve there, too, I think, or yeah. farms out there. Harry almost got trampled by one. Oof, yeah. Was awesome video. <laughs> that was pretty crazy. So I'm turned white. Snowmobiles, yeah. So I'm turned pale, and it's like he started walking. You see the bison just coming closer. Oof. It's like, yeah, you got a little too close, buddy boy. Just messing with him. I was waiting. I was waiting for that video to get good. <laughs> Didn't. We could have posted it on our on our YouTube page. We've gotten so many hits. We would have made some money. Thanks, Harry. Thanks, Harry. Selfish bastard. Damn it. Damn it. Next time, you stand closer, Harry. We need this on YouTube. That's right. We need those hits. I was watching something on, um, you know, stupid things that people do thing. And this <laughs> this guy gets out of this, you know, these people pull up there in Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. And they pull up into this parking lot. And this one dude opens, like, the door flies open. And he gets out and he starts running. <laughs> Because he sees a buffalo. He was trying to hug it or something or get away from it? He was trying to get close to it to take a picture. Uh. So he runs up, and this buffalo is, like, sitting there, and it has, like, this... I guess it had rolled in the, uh, in the dirt, mm-hmm. and it had this stick. And I guess the stick was caught in its uh, fur, mm-hmm. but it wasn't pinching it. And what happened was he startled the animal because he was coming close. Oh, he got really close. And it, uh, I think it, it like moved its head a certain way, and you could see the stick in slow motion, like it pinched it. So then it saw him, it got pinched, and it freaked out. It went, trampled him, trampled another lady, <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, they had to take her to the hospital. She had like a ton of broken stuff. Like the thing just stepped on her. It was like, she said, like it was standing over her, just like, oh. and she could feel the, the, the breath and, and, sm- and, you know, it was just sitting there, like breathing over her. And then it just walked away because I guess, you know, the stick wasn't poking anymore and it just mm-hmm. kind of went back to its docile, docile environment. And she was really messed up. They threw her in the truck and she had like broken 
tons of broken bone, like a broken hip, Oof. like all sorts of crap. It was, it was bad. That's real bad. Oh, man. I mean, those things are, they're like a bus. <laughs> yeah, right? That's, they're terrifying. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're cute and terrifying at the same time. And delicious. And delicious, yeah. yes. All, th- all three. Oh, so watch out for your uh, buffalo. Now, are they buffalo or bison? They're bison, right? American bison? Yeah, I mean... No disrespect. I guess you say buffalo. I think technically they're bison. Mm-hmm. Is it potato, potato? I don't know. Yeah. So American bison, also known as American buffalo, or simply buffalo. So you can call them either or. All right. It's kind of like, I don't know, Holland, Dutch. <laughs> oh, that nonsense, yeah. That whole nonsense thing. Yeah. Same thing, many different terms. Holland or Dutch from the Netherlands. It just, ugh. Madness. All right. What do you think would be worse, getting trampled by buffalo or getting trampled by a moose? Mm. That's a tough one, right? That's down the line. I think both would suck pretty much equally. You had to get one done. Which one are you choosing? Mm. Moose. <laughs> you choosing moose? Yeah. Thinner legs. I think the moose are bigger, but they're nastier, right? Yeah, they're pretty nasty. Yeah. Buffalo are kind of docile. They're, they're, they're a little really more not, chilled out, yeah. Yeah, they're really not aggressive unless you piss them off. Yeah. But they're like... Moose will just kind of show up sometimes. Where they, not, they, don't, they don't belong. Like there was that one video, like well, there's been a couple in like, different ski resorts. They'll just kind of like run around yeah. by the lift lines. You don't really hear about bison doing anything unless provoked. Moose will chase people. Yeah, unprovoked. Yeah. Well, bison will just kind of chill to, out. And, just to mess with you. Yeah. Like, you know what's up. <laughs> What's up? I'm a moose. I'm here. Watch yeah. out. So yeah, I, I take my my take that back, and I go with I go with bison. Yeah, but if you get trampled, mm. neither are good. Both are terrible. How you much does an average buffalo bison weigh? More than you want on your chest. God damn! I don't know, man. They're big. They say they're about five to six and a half feet tall. And they're just, like, solid. A bison weighs about 1,400 pounds. A moose, 840 to 1,500. So if you get, like, a moose that's on, like, Weight Watchers, it's a little bit better. Males are 842, 1,500 pounds, they're saying. For moose. For moose. Yeah, well, bison's around 1,400. Damn. Yeah. Do they have, like, a fat bison? Is that one, like, 2,000 pounds? Yeah, like the Ralphie May of... You know, there's always like a freak, that, like a freak big one. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like the shack. <laughs> the, the shack, shack moose. of bison. <laughs> the shack moose. The shack moose of the shack bison. Shack moose. How many shacks would that be? Shack stands over that. Shack's towering That's over true. that. Shack's taller. But weight wise, Shack's looking pretty big these days. Yeah, I guess. He, uh, I think he's uh, sponsored by Krispy Kreme now. Oh, which is also Panera. <laughs> which is now Panera, yeah. Boom. Whole bunch you, of buyouts. Imagine getting a clam chowder bowl and like a donut bowl. Oh, you know they're gonna carry. It. I'm, I'm thinking, speculating. They're gonna carry Krispy Kreme donuts at Panera now, mm. which isn't a bad idea. It's not a horrible idea at so all. So you have your nice, healthy meal with your Krispy Kreme donut. The problem is, you need the real Krispy Kreme setup so you get the hot donuts. Krispy Kreme hot salad. Salad with hot Krispy oh, Kreme. Oh, like Krispy Kreme croutons. That's what I'm saying. Krispy croutons. Boom. Ooh, 
That would be good. <laughs> I'm getting hungry now. I'm starving right now. Where's the closest Krispy Kreme? Is there one anywhere near here? Nah. There's one in Jersey City that just opened. It's actually a factory. They make them there. Oh, wow. So yeah. you got to get in there. It's right in Grove, by Grove Street, by the uh, the path. Get some hot donuts. Krispy Kreme near me. Where is it? NJ. Come on. Where we got? Oh, damn it. Nothing, there's, eh? There's one in Collingswood, New Jersey, and one in Jersey City. Um, Collingswood is like by Philly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. See the Jersey City one. Damn it. I should have grabbed some. Oh, fresh ones. My mouth is watering now. Is and the light, got, is the got light got on right now? The hot light? The hot light. <laughs> That's right. Man, think about that. The, that dude started with just one little place in North Carolina or South Carolina, wherever it was. was North, yeah, like Salem, Winston-Salem. Winston-Salem. Mm-hmm. I think I, I'm trying to think if I went, I went by there. I think somebody, I worked in uh, Greensboro for a little bit in uh, Charlotte. And I, uh, somebody brought Krispy Kreme from the original place. And I was like, mm. tastes just like a Krispy Kreme anywhere else. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, that's great, but it's kind of a Krispy Kreme. Still a donut. It's like going to the Starbucks in, in Seattle. Seattle, the original. It's like, it's still the same Starbucks coffee. That's funny. Very true. All right, so we went off on that tangent, and we were somehow... But now I want Krispy Kreme donuts. I can't even think about anything else but those donuts God right now. damn it. All right, we got one more final story under Ski News this week, and it is the World Cup racing returning to Killington. Boom. For the next two years. Two years, not one. Yeah. Uh, they re- So the last year, this past season, the FIS Women's World Cup took place at Killington in the, um, the slalom and what else was it? It wasn't the downhill. Uh, it was a slalom. With, and the giant slalom, was it? Or the Super G? Uh, I think it was a giant slalom. I, I think, think it Super was Super G is too... It's not big enough, the mountain, for that. Yeah. Yeah. So last year, it took place on Thanksgiving weekend. And again, for the next two years, Killington has yanked this away from Aspen. And they're going to be hosting it. Wow. I wish them the best of luck. Because they had a a perfect, 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 perfect weekend last year to do it. It was good. They had just gotten snow a couple days before. The conditions were great. It was ideal. It was absolutely perfect in every way. They had good weather leading up to it so they could blow snow. It was Yeah. But it is really a roll of the dice, the weather you get in Vermont in November. And the year before... That whole run didn't have snow on it the week before Christmas, let alone Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, it's um, it is definitely early time in the season. Yeah, but you never know. I mean, hey, they they didn't have it for the really crappy seasons that we had. That's um, true. This year was good enough, and they got really lucky with what twelve inches of snow the week before the mm-hmm. event. So everything looked like winter wonderland. It was pretty good. Yeah. So. Uh, it's the women's again, right? They're, it is the women's, yep. I heard something that they were trying to bid for the men's, or they were trying to decide on that, too. Oh, really? Yeah, but I don't know. Cool. Maybe maybe they were talking about it, and they, they got the women's back again. But that's great. I mean... Yeah, it went so well. They're doing it again, which is which is great to, to see. And Julia Mancusa won, right? Nope. Oh, Michaela, Michaela Schifrin. Schifrin. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, it is slalom and giant slalom. And Michaela won the World Cup this year, right? She sure did. Damn. She's a badass. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a crazy turnout. They said over the two days, they said over 30,000 fans packed the base area. Unbelievable. Which is nuts. 
Yeah, we were you know talking to people on the lifts the the weeks after that, and they were saying that they they ran out of food down at the lodge. They just ran out of chicken and had the Cisco trucks kind of cranking up the mountain from Rutland to get them some more you know enough food to keep people they, full. They didn't expect that many people. The buses were horrible. I heard they said the buses were the biggest problem. The yeah. food was another one, but they said the buses it was they got a they have a plan now, but it's uh they weren't expecting that many people. Yeah. It's awesome that it worked out so well, and they're going to do it again. It's cool. Good to Hopefully see. Hopefully the weather uh, will be cold enough for them to, to host the event. Maybe we'll be up there. We shall see. Depends. I'm usually in Florida, but we'll Thanksgiving's see. Thanksgiving's a tricky one, yeah. But Yeah, if we were to do that, we'd probably have to choose between that and uh, crashed ice. I don't know. Ooh, yeah, it's up true. Up in Ontario, they usually, that's usually the weekend. Mm. Why can't we do both? That's what I'm saying. Right? I say we do both. Yeah. All right, so that wraps up the old ski news for the week. That was good ski news. Yeah. And now it's on to... The main topic. Yes, indeed. So what are we talking about this week, Brian? So we're going to call this topic this week Sprinkle Bells. Sprinkle Bells. Sprinkle Bells. Yes, it's inevitable. It is that time of year again. Sprinkle Bells, Sprinkle Bells. Sprinkle all the way. Snow will melt and we will be felt that it will be hurt one day. <laughs> yes, it's spring and there's no sense fighting it. It's been an epic season. So all we can do now is enjoy what was and start preparation for the other season. And that is almost ski season. That's right. So, you know, this week, this past week, so Mario, you were up at Killington. You went to the Mogul Challenge. That's always one of those kind of one of the last big events that yeah. they host at the mountain. Yeah. Right. There was also an article I, I forgot to, to earmark to bookmark it, but um, there was an article that somebody wrote about um, all the different in the area, like all the different uh, end, of, end of season parties that the mountains are having. Oh, cool. Which is another cool weekend. So like this time of year, once it starts getting warmer, you find like live bands, you find like, you know pond skimming you find mogul challenge so there's a lot of cool things to get to the mountain for mm-hmm. um so the mogul challenge was a lot of fun i mean i know when we were at mount snow they did something i think they called the gladiator uh yeah. and now this is the mogul challenge um, the reggae fest there the reggae fest but this mogul challenge is really cool i mean i'm sure similar stuff is done at other mountains but this is really a big opportunity for at killington it's always historically been uh, people that have share houses get together, and what they do is they cordon off and set up areas at the base of the mountain. Uh, anybody could get, you know, an area and set it up. But it's usually, you know, the big thing is, you know, if you're doing a share house, you, you jump from house to house to house, and you see a lot of friends that you've seen throughout the season. So it's kind of nice to, like, end the, the share house season with, with people like that, too. Um, and it's just a big party and... We I posted on Instagram the T Rex, <laughs> which I freaking couldn't stop watching him dance. That guy was awesome. It was hilarious. Um, but yeah, the, the mogul challenge is pretty cool, and it's uh, you know amateur events, so anybody could enter, and they have uh, qualifiers, and then they they match everybody up. And this year they did it all in one day. Last uh, previous years they did it over two days. Okay. So was there a reason for that? Was there just less people or? Uh, logistically, it's easier for them to do. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, and then the second day, there's usually not that big of a crowd. Uh, it's really, you know, people that just want to come. Like, everybody's partied out by them because right. you kind of start at, like, anywhere from 5 in the morning to 10 in the morning after going out the night before. 
ski a little bit, party all day, and then everything goes on to the bars at night. So it's kind of like a really, it's a full day of of, of partying. Yeah. So, um, yes, yeah, but it was, it was it was a good event. Some good mogul mogul skiers too. Oh yeah. You know, amateur skiers it's like bombing wow. down, right? Bombing down, hitting hitting the jumps and everything. It was pretty cool. Nice. Cool to watch. Yeah, so one of the things you can you can do is just, you know, ski until you can't. You know, wherever you are. A lot of places are still open. You can still get out there, still make your turns. I mean, you're not gonna have, you know, the 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 same conditions, the the full days that you probably would be having in January, February. But uh, you know, do what you can. I know we were looking at a ski triathlon. Well, it's a triathlon with skiing involved, uh next couple of weeks. So it's you ski for you know whatever the, the the run is, then you bike for a couple miles, then you run for a couple miles. So you know a lot of places are doing those sort of things to get people to you know coming out and and still hanging out on the mountain and, and having a good time. So the Norbeaster Triathlon. The Norbeaster, yes. Nice. And it's one of those ones. It's not like a ridiculous one where you're running like a, you know, even like five mile. I think it's like what two mile run and like three mile bike ride or something. Um. It's pretty tame. Yeah. But it just seems like fun. See, I can't get... I got the one from last year. I think it's like 1.7 mile run, two mile bike ride or something, and then uh, you ski all of maybe Superstar? Yeah, something like that. They don't have a lot of solid details, but... Yeah, more to come. But yeah, a lot of places are doing different events like that, so look into those. Oh, they have the course map. Hold on a sec. I'm looking at this now. That was the one from, I think, last year or the year before. I don't think they could do it last year just because there was no snow around. Yeah, they said it was postponed until this year. So bike to 2.4 miles, run 1.7, and ski ride 0.3 miles on Superstar. That just seems like fun. Yeah. Nice, easy day. Yeah, so hopefully we can make that happen the next few weeks when that takes place. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. So other things you can do is just stay busy. You know, I know I have a uh, more than full dance card over the next couple months. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll get more into that over the next couple months as uh, I'm talking and complaining about it. You know, there's other other hobbies to have. You know, I know Mario, you're big into the cycling, so you're probably getting some rides. Yeah, I'm actually up. starting to starting to line up rides and starting to get the bike ready. Um, thinking about buying another bike, like a hybrid, so I could do some trail riding. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is – it really didn't ease into spring even. Like, it just went right into spring, and it's like, holy crap. Like, I'm working late to try to catch up for all the skiing that I do. <laughs> and um, so I'm, I'm at work late, and I'm, I'm like, you know, kicking myself because I'm like, I really want to be bike riding after work because it got so nice out. Yeah. Uh, but I got to work, so I'm kind of like, well, so now I'm lining up the weekends to, to do that, but – I know this last couple of days it's been you know really warm down here and everybody and their mother is outside. I mean yeah. every single person and I you know I ride my bike to work so it's just been you know it's like chicken out there like there's just people <laughs> everywhere and just animals wandering and around. Stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the cool thing is so like you know back to skiing that you know until you can't and other hobbies. So there's a skiing until you can't. So like even when they close like the ski mountain especially like some of the mountains you can still hike up and ski like yeah so it's kind of nice you can actually do some hiking and a little bit of skiing mm-hmm. um and even be on the lookout so like the share house that we do uh they're doing a um they do share house they're going to do the share house for the summer it's like 300 bucks for the whole summer oh so, wow so if you want to go up um 
and just do hiking and hang out for the weekend. Um, there's a lot of share houses that'll do, you know, uh, uh, summer shares because there's biking now and there's hiking and stuff like that. So Considering what a hotel probably costs, you know, if you come up two weekends, you're, you're getting your money's worth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Paid for. So mm-hmm. it's nice to start looking at that, but yeah, you do a lot, a lot of running, right? Yeah. I do a lot of running and I'm hopefully going to be doing more, uh, more beach running this summer. Yeah. You might be moving down the, uh, moving down by the beach. That's the way it's looking right about now. Uh, Hanging out, eating ice cream all day? <laughs> you know it. <laughs> On the feet. Well, Custard? I get, I get my grill back, which is going to be... Get your grills get back. Grill. <laughs> um, yeah, the grill back is uh, it's huge. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of biking, too, so you know, I'd like to get more into that and, you know, doing, like I said, doing some running. You know what? And if I do, am down the shore, I want to do some more swimming, you know, like swimming in the ocean. Get, like, you know... Do triathlons. Get all yoked up. That's, that's what I like to do. Do you know, tries. Want to do some uh, some more hardcore stuff next winter? So that's surfing the best or paddleboarding. Surfing or paddleboarding would be great. Yeah. Um, and then you know this one I, I said it a bit tongue in cheek, but I'm also kind of totally serious. I said spend time with non skiing friends and family. <laughs> Dude, it is so true. I just I tell people I cut you off on Thanksgiving. I'm like I'll see you in April. I got a text from somebody the other day. They're like, Hey, are you are you going to be around now? I uh, I think your ski season is over, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like I thought about it. I was like. Yeah, I really kind of just hibernate and, you know, I don't see anybody. I think I maybe had one weekend where it was like kind of like way too warm and I didn't want to, you know, bother going up or think about it that I even could do anything. Yeah. That I allowed myself to be, to hang out with people. But even during ski season, when when I'm here for the weekend, I'm catching up on work. I'm catching up on sleep. crap around the house, <laughs> sleep. Like, yeah. it's like a whole catch up thing. Like, it's. I don't even see people then, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll see them sporadically, like, hey, you know, the occasional, hey, what are you guys up to, you know? Yeah. Hey, I didn't know you were around this weekend, you know? Yeah, that's that's what that's how it is, you know. It, the season is only so long to ski, so yeah. you got to make every weekend you can count. So. Well, it's the summer. I mean, you know, summer's going to come, spring, summer. You got weddings, you got, like, birthday parties. You got all sorts of stuff going on that, you know, doesn't usually go on in the winter, so it's kind of, you know. Especially after the holidays, you hit the the meat of the ski season. Mm-hmm. You you really have no reason to stay around. Yeah, yeah. Summer Pretty people much. have more get get-togethers and barbecues and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. One of our big things we're going to try to figure out is uh, the direction of the podcast. Do we want to keep doing it this way? Do we want to alter things? Do we want to turn right or do we want to turn left? I don't know. The road less traveled. <laughs> That's you know, we're at the fork in the road. We gotta we gotta turn this up. And take it to the next level. That's really, I think, all we can do. You've been doing a lot of plant, like, so, you know, you guys might not think it, but we do a lot of planning uh, as it is now in between the time that we have. Uh, I think hopefully the summer seems a little bit calmer. We got a little more time to, like, harness our chi and focus. Because and- there's some, there was a couple of weeks where it was just like, like, let's just throw something together and get something out there. You know, yeah. there's the one week where I was, you know, I did it solo just because I wanted, it was like a bunch of really cool news I wanted to talk about, yeah. but it was just me. So, you know, yeah. I, I, but I wanted to make sure something got put out there. And, uh, you know, there's just certain weeks that it ends up being like that. But we really, we do like doing it better where we have a plan. We have like a, an, yeah. an itinerary, an outline, things to share and talk about because we think it puts out a, a better product at the end of the day. So Yeah, ski season gets a little hectic cuz you know, you start going on ski trips, going up to ski house, skiing, and that takes up all your as much extra time as you can and then you're trying to fit, you know, 
planning and, and prepping with work going on. Like, so it's a, it's a it lot get crazy. Yeah. Yeah. There, especially I know for me, like it's been, there's been like three or four weeks that I've just been like, Holy crap. I don't have time for anything. Yeah. And I know like, you know, one of my jobs that, and I don't have kids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> one of my jobs, you know, things get super busy in the beginning of the year because everyone wants to do something new. So it's just, yeah, it's, it, it, I try to keep like pushing things off and off and off until the spring, but then unfortunately the spring eventually comes and you're like, oh, I've been backed up, you know, with all this stuff I got to do. And yeah, well now I'm paying for it happy too. And yeah, oh, <laughs> dude, big time. So, but yeah, so that's a. Uh, there's going to be a lot that that occupies the time, and like you said, the planning. You know, I think I want to try to take a because uh, I think I realized uh, recently with with everything getting to the point where I was a little bit almost overwhelmed. I was like, I realized, you know, the only vacations I've taken have either been to visit family, which are kind of hectic mm-hmm. for me because I got a crazy Puerto Rican family that just, they talk and I got relatives all over <laughs> and everybody's on you. They're in your business, up in your grill. Um, yeah, you know, I don't have a lot of free time when I go visit family. I'm just always running from, you know, I'm doing work around my mom's house and helping, you know, people out with stuff. Um, and then I go on ski vacations, which are, you know, six, seven days of exercise. So there's no real vacation that I've taken in like the last three years where I just shut down and like relaxed on a beach or something like that. Yeah. So I'm going to look forward to maybe doing some of that in the, in the summer, either yeah. by the pool or go away somewhere or something, you know, sometimes you just need that. Just wind down, sip margaritas all day exactly. at the beach and just, uh, let your body reset itself. Shut the phone off. Yes, that's the big one. Don't look at your stupid technology for a couple hours. Don't even know. watch TV. Just that's it. Just total blackout. Just take in some nature and you know, just uh, talk to friends, talk to people. Yeah, you know, spend time with people. Yeah, nice. So, yeah, so a lot of stuff is uh, is is lining up for the summer. Well, what month is your baby done? Uh, Going to be uh, August. August, so right at the August, yeah, it's kind of the middle to the end of mm-hmm. summer, right? Toward the end, yeah, toward the end, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. So yeah, a lot of a lot of craziness is going to be going down the next few months. So your missus has a bun in the oven. <sighs> yes. Cook, so. Cooking it till till August. That's right. Wow. Yep. So it's exciting. Super excited. That is. Uh, She's going to be, hopefully it's not that hot. <laughs> oh, it's going to be hot. That's for sure. She has air, AC, so it's good. Got AC, central yeah. air. That's so, the way to do it. That's all you need. Yep. Cool. And then I came across a, uh, you know, along with, with uh, you know, figuring out what we're doing with the podcast, I came across an interesting article this week, and uh, they're talking about how podcasts are giving uh, print media a new life, potentially. Um, and they talk about like a lot of these, um, you know, print brands that are creating their podcasts just to get that connectivity with people. So I thought it was kind of cool because, you know, it's not, and they're talking now too, which I think Brian and I have always kind of adopted is it's not the number of people that you get that are interested, you know, of course everybody wants big numbers, but you also want that quality of contact. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think we feel good that we have like, you know, contributors to the show, people that write to us um, that are pretty focused, you know, pretty in line with like, you know, our, our belief system and, you know, what we're trying to, to talk about on this. Yeah. And they get jazzed about the show. So it's kind of nice to see that. And we have that, you know, they talk about the stickiness mm-hmm. of having uh, viewers is more important than having, you know, vast numbers. Uh, and, and I think, you know, it's good to, to kind of grow that. 
Yeah, and you know what? Everyone I've talked to who's actually listened to the podcast really digs it, you know, because we do have a, some pretty cool conversations. We always have really interesting stories that, you know, people may not have seen or heard about. And re- it seems like the only issue we have is just getting more listeners, you know, like getting it out to people. So, yeah. you know, we really appreciate you guys writing in and, and uh, you know, spreading the, the word and the love. And uh, we just need to keep doing that. And I think, you know, we have something cool here, something fun. And, you know, we, we have talked off the air about plans and things we want to do. And I think once we start doing those things, you know, I think it'll get us to the next level. It's funny, though. We've, all, we've always kept, like, a low profile. So even friends, like, close friends of ours are like, you guys are the Ski Bump podcast? You're sending me stuff? Like, you know, I see you post stuff mm-hmm. on, my, on my feed. And they're like, I never knew that was you. It's like, well, we never That's really... That's how down low we keep things. Keep yeah. it down low. You know? Yeah. We want you to know Mario and Brian. Doesn't mean you know exactly what Mario and Brian are talking about. So. Are we even Mario and Brian? Ah, boom. There you go. Right. But as long as they like the show. So it's kind of cool. Like, they've listened to the show. And then you tell them, oh, they're like, oh, that's you? Oh, wow. Now now they're, like, even happier to listen to the show. It's kind of yeah. funny. It's that surprise. Yeah, right. So. It's almost like Scooby-Doo. Scooby, yeah. We could have got away with it, too, if it wasn't for you meddling kids. Unmask the identity of the... Uh, the mystery podcasters. Mystery. That's right. We're the mystery podcasters. It's like, or what was the movie? Uh, Christian Slater, pump up the volume. Oh yeah. Was it the pirate radio station? We're pirate radio. Yeah, like pirate podcast. Our maybe. <laughs> Not that kind of pirate. But uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. I know what you're talking about. I dig it. So yeah, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of cool stuff. If you guys have any tips or thoughts or things you want to share, please hit us up. Keep on podcast at gmail.com or check us out on at our website skibumpodcast.com facebook.com slash skibumpodcast twitter.com slash skibumpodcast or instagram.com slash skibumpodcast yeah it is time now for under the ropes First off, we want to uh, give our condolences to the family of Charlie Murphy, who just, we found out, passed away today at the age of 57 due to complications from leukemia. And uh, it's one of those things you, you know... I didn't even know he had leukemia. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people did. It was probably pretty pretty hush-hush and only his friends and family knew. But word came out today that, you know, he uh, he lost his battle with leukemia, so... Sad. He's a funny guy. Very sad. Very funny guy. I mean, we've talked about Chappelle's show on the the you know show plenty of times. It was you know one of our favorites, and uh, he was a huge part of it. And you know, I mean, he was in his brother's you know shadow for most of his career. Eddie's older brother, right? Older, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in Eddie's younger brother's shadows, and then uh, you know Chappelle's show really took him to the next level. Yeah. Very funny guy. Very, uh, very had a very interesting life. You know, you can tell just by those, you know, the stories from Chappelle's show and, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So rest in peace, Charlie Murphy, and, and condolences to friends and family because that's a, a horrible loss and horrible thing to go through. So another horrible thing. We're going to keep that theme going right now. Speaking of horrible. Yeah. How about air travel? You know, so there's a story that was out this past week about that gentleman on the United flight who got ripped out of his seat and beaten and, and dragged off the plane and on the 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 heels of that, Vice put out an article, kind of, you know, talking about 
why that is and, and why does why does air travel in America have to suck so much? And it used to be nice. Like it used to be, oh, I'm going on an airplane. You would wear a nice like you dress up, dress and, up. You know, it was a big, big like to shower. Do. Like, yeah. <laughs> like now it's just like I'm getting on some freaking bus. I want to sleep. Like it's it's just weird. What the article goes on to say is that you know airlines have been getting what they want for the last four decades, and part of that was because in 1978 Jimmy Carter signed the Airline Deregulation Act, which radically altered air travel in the U.S. The bill effectively disbanded the Civil Aeronautics, Aeronautics Board, a group that regulated airlines as if they were government entities in charge of deciding routes and fares for all the companies. Hmm. Before that... Oh, so they regulated even ticket prices. Yeah. So before 1978, these carriers just competed on service as ticket prices were set by the government. Oh, uh, so you couldn't just beat people out on price. You you had to beat them out on service yeah. because prices were set by another entity. Mm-hmm. Wow. And with that, deregulating airlines made it cheaper, you know, a way, way cheaper way to fly, making traveling long distances more accessible to middle and low-income Americans. The inevitable downside is that the bill also prohibits states from regulating the price, route, or service of an air carrier which is why there are no laws protecting customers from the current oligopoly of airlines. Wow. So it's almost like if we if you want to fight back, you just have to not fly the airlines that are giving shitty service. Yes, that's one way, but the article also talks about how the have the airlines have conglomerated from 9 down to 4 yeah. airlines. And when you really break things down and look at the way the airlines are structured, it really doesn't matter because the way they're invested, they're all almost all invested in each other. It's crazy. I'm trying to find the exact quote here. So there's, there's the major players right now are United, American, Delta, and Southwest, but they all have common shareholders. Five of the seven largest institutional United shareholders are also the largest shareholders of Delta and Southwest. Wow. So you think you're, uh, you're doing something by flying Southwest and to screw over United, their shareholders are still, you know, Southwest holders too. It's like Warren Buffett just invested. I think he invested across not just one, you know, a bunch of them. Yeah. Well, I think United was the big one though. Yeah. We lost like 90 million yesterday. That's crazy. I like that Vice, you know, did an overall story because I know I've seen uh, in, you know, we had the the United Passenger, that video hit, went viral, and everybody's posting all this stuff on Facebook. And, you know, it's kind of like you're seeing the end part where they're dragging them out. But then I saw something else today, and I got to figure out if it's right or or what the the background is. But I want to know the whole encompassing story because supposedly, like, he, he was kicked off and then came running back, like, came back in like so there's all this other stuff that happened and they said like i guess he's known to be like a little bit crazy he's like i I don't know he's a doctor right or he was a doctor that lost his license because he's a gambler like there's all this crazy background stuff that i'm sure is going to come out as things unfold but i wonder how crazy it really was like you know like i know i saw the 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 video, which is kind of horrifying, mm-hmm. but I want to know what happened before that and like the background to it. You need you the know? full story, exactly. You're not not just you know one clip of it. The, the five minute video from somebody's phone, which you know that's what they saw, but 
you know, I saw a lot of people like, you know, making all these crazy comments and I was like, well, yeah, I mean, it is upsetting to see it, but I'm like, I, I don't know the whole story yet to kind of weigh in. Yeah. But I mean, the one thing that drives me nuts is that how, how can these airlines, you know, oversell the plane? Oh, they do like, it all the time. Dick move just to start. Like that's we do when we went to Utah, the plane was oversold. Yeah. When we went out to Denver this last time, uh, to, to Vail, they oversold the shit out of the flight. Mm-hmm. They knew while we were in the gate, they were offering, you know, four hundred dollars plus uh, an upgrade for the next flight. And people were not taking it. So what are you gonna do? Because people it's usually on like a Saturday or Sunday and people want to get home. Yeah. But, yeah, you can't blame them. So here you are, you paid money to buy a ticket, you show up at the airport and like shit, you don't I don't have a seat? How's that work? It's messed up, yeah. You know, I mean, you're good at taking a reservation, but not good at giving me what I reserved. I mean, that's that's bullshit. Yeah, totally. I think it should be illegal to oversell a flight. Oh, it should be. Absolutely. Because they, mm-hmm. they put people on a standby list. Right. So you get to the airport, and what do you find out? Oh, you don't have a, a, a seat, so you get on a standby list? Like, But you already bought a ticket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How's that work? Why buy the ticket in the first place then, yeah. Like, like if you do that in any other business... You get like busted for I don't know improper fraud business or something or fraud or, or, yeah. or mm-hmm. yeah, I mean you're selling six hundred seats on a four hundred seat airplane. I mean really, Ugh. it's not that bad. I'm just saying though, you know. Yeah, crazy. Mm-hmm. All right, so next up we got um, on the bless this stuff. Pretty interesting site. They have a lot of cool stuff on there, uh, but they had on there um, the motorcycle Chuck Taylors. <laughs> So in collaboration with Tokyo's Neighborhood, Converse created uh, another variation of the iconic Chuck Taylors as a badass motorcycle riding sneaker with a foot shifter strap overlay. Nice. So it's definitely made for riding your 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 motorcycle. Um, and the toe overlay is um, engineered to protect both the shoe and your feet from getting stuffed and marked by your shifter. So it's pretty neat looking. Look at that. Um, they look just like Chuck Taylor, you know, the normal Chuck Taylor. I think it's just the, the material they're made out of is a little bit sturdier, and they have that, that toe overlay for the uh, the shifter. Pretty interesting. Pretty crazy looking, yeah. But, yeah, it has the same, you know, looking style of the, you know, original Chuck Taylors. I mean, that is cool because I know uh, I don't ride a motorcycle, but I know people that have, they're like, yeah, you can't ride in sneakers, but... If these are made for that, that's comfortable to go like on a, on a nice little touring ride, and then you get off and, like, and walk around, yeah. Regular sneakers, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's pretty slick. Kudos to you. And I don't think they're that outrageously expensive, but yeah, one hundred and twenty bucks, which really, yeah, yeah, you can get. I mean, look how much Yeezys cost. Yeah, you want a pair of those? Exactly, thousands. And these are iconic Chuck Taylor Converse motorcycles. Old school. Old school. I like it. Next up, this was a crazy story that I found last nuts. week, and the event has taken place, so now we can report on it. Uh, DJ Paul Oakenfold plays the highest party on earth at Mount Everest. That's uh, awesome. Last week, he announced that he's going to be hosting a party at Mount Everest Base Camp, and the performance took place April 11th, which was yesterday on Tuesday at over 17,000 feet above sea level and marked the first edition of his Soundtrek series, which will see the artist perform at a number of uniquely momentous venues internationally. 
That's wild. Yeah, so he performed at base camp in Everest, and all proceeds are going to the Himalayan Trust and supporting Nepal's children's funds, which are dedicated to helping surviving victims of the country's 2015 earthquake. And reportedly, the DJ will donate his equipment from the show to the local community, and further proceeds will go toward British Foundation's Youth Music and the Mayor's New Music Fund. Hmm. That is really nice. There's a couple of videos, too, showing, you know, the event. Not a ton of people there, but there are actually people there. So, yeah. you know, again, a lot of it's the Sherpas and, and, you know, the folks from the area. But I guess some other people got word and for, were figured they'll fly in and make the trek just so they can, uh, can see him play. I've been looking all over the Internet, though, because I'm trying to figure out the logistics of this. Because mm-hmm. 17,000 feet is just like unfathomable to me it's crazy yeah. mm-hmm. like skiing at eleven thousand feet i can't breathe i couldn't even imagine like trekking all the way up to seventeen thousand feet and then performing and like you know it's pretty cool with the equipment and all i guess that's what the sherpas are for yeah but that's pretty cool he did that yeah it's just i mean what kind of people are the ones who actually show up for this too you know, it's not like, oh, yeah, it's my town, and, you know, we're going to just pop in and check it out. You know, you, you pretty much have to travel across the world. Well, even if you want to be a baller, you still got to be in the shape to get up there. Right. Like, you got to earn it, you know. Yeah, it's no joke. You got to earn the right to be there. Crazy. Have you seen that movie, K2? I think so. Oh, it's fucking crazy. We'll be, what would be more, even more impressive than a DJ being at that elevation is having, like, a tuba player. Because think about how much you got to push out, how much your lungs have to work to work you know, like a, a, a brass instrument. You know what they should do at base camp? Strongest man competition. Mm. I want to see your Jurgensen or Thor. Magnus Jürgen, Magnusson. Magnus Magnusson. I want to see him lift those keg things at 17,000 feet, man. That'd, yeah. That'd be awesome. That would be, that would be the strongest man. And I think some sort of French horn category or event has to take place in there too i want to see magnus magnuson play french horn you gotta play or indigata davida on a french horn <laughs> at seventeen thousand feet oh that'd be come hilarious. on tough guy what do you got what do you got that'd Bring be great it on they're like practicing and shit like yeah. that that'd be awesome <laughs> and he's passed right out <laughs> yeah that would be tough that would be very tough oh part of it could be like you gotta you gotta move the big kegs mm-hmm. and then you gotta blow up like balloons oh you gotta blow up five balloons people would drop like flies oh my god in the middle of that there'd just be push the bus yeah and blow up like five balloons and then push the bus a little more <laughs> that'd be crazy how would you get a bus up there to push <laughs> you have to build it there i think that's right piece that's by the piece. Only possible way right over 10 years build the pieces of the bus <laughs> johnny cash song right one piece at a time that's crazy man <laughs> speaking of one piece at a time that leads us to our last story. Oh. <laughs> All right. So I don't know how I found this, but there was uh, a video of a badger burying a cow, which surprised scientists. So uh, University of Utah researchers, I guess, had nothing else to do. <laughs> so they placed seven cow carcasses in Utah's Great Basin Desert and set up cameras to learn um, the behavior of local scavengers. So... One week later, they come back, they get the, uh, you know, the cameras, and they start watching. And they're saying that there was a, uh, what do you call a badger that took one of the cows, uh, a 
a 50 plus pound cow that it took five days digging and burying this, this cow. And I guess what badgers do is they bury like to store food for later. Mm -hmm. So this thing is like jackpot, man. I'm going to, I'm going to bury this thing. It is a gangster freaking, you got to watch the video. It's like a time lapse, you know, time lapse video. And you see him just digging out this big hole, dragging the thing in there, burying it. I'm like, it's like eating it too, though. Oh, that was a gangster. Process, that yeah. is, he's, like, he's like from Jersey. That's like the Jersey Badger. <laughs> Crazy. It's it's really weird. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, I don't know much about badgers in general, but I never thought they would, you know, go and mess with a cow that way. Well, they said it's they, the rarity was they never thought that it would bury something. I think what they say is about five times its size. Yeah, uh, which they said is, is the is the craziest thing. They said it's the first time a badger has ever been documented burying an animal larger than itself, much less like five times. <laughs> so crazy. The gangster ass badger. That's a crazy ass badger, man. <laughs> That's right. I want to mess with that. Badger from hell. Badger from hell. <laughs> See you in hell. <laughs> you wonder if it was maybe like rabbit or something or, you know, something wrong with it. I don't know, man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't camp out out there. Or maybe it's like the uh, the honey badger's cousin. <laughs> Can you imagine you're camping and that just drags you off? Just buries you? Right. What happened to so-and-so? I don't know. I think the badger got him. Did you get dragged off a United flight? No, just some badger when I was camping. There's <laughs> badgers on the United flight just dragging people dragging off. Dragging people off, right? <laughs> Burying them. Got a little badger badge. <laughs> we don't need no stinking badgers. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Damn, that's you watching it like you get a little it's chills. weird, yeah. It's it's so interesting but so terrifying at the same time. Yeah, who would have thought? Damn it, he's just like saving that. Like that's like the jackpot of food. Yeah, he's like, man, I got a year's worth of food. I'm gonna save this thing. Got some prime rib here, you know. <laughs> got some short ribs. You got any saran wrap? I gotta save this thing. <laughs> Damn, that's crazy. All right, so I guess that about wraps it up for the week, huh? That does. Uh, on to another week of of making some memories so we can talk about them next week. Yeah, sounds good to me. So thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Please check us out at skibumpodcast.com. You can email us, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on social media, twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast. We are the highfalutins on what is it called? Pinterest. And we are on SoundCloud as Ski Bum Podcast. Also, please, if you could, go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe and rate us five stars. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Stay high, stay polluting. See ya.